Amen. Well, good morning again. Um, our family is a Shoreview family. We live right down the road, Turtle Lane, a little circle, not too far from here. And one of the things we love about Shoreview is we love the community center. This is a great place. How many of you have ever spent time in the pool or in that playland right down there? They're great, aren't they? It's a great place if you like to swim, if you like to do those kind of things. How about the gym or the fitness center? Anyone spend time in either of those? Great facilities they have. How about um, in one of the outside things, either pavilion or soccer fields or ice skating rinks? Anyone spend time on any of those? Sorry. It is a great place. Now, just for the sake of an illustration here, imagine if you were going on a tour of this facility and all you did was looked at the signs. Imagine if that's it. You, you came in and you walked through here and they said, look, here's a sign for the pool. And you love to swim, but you just kept going. And they said, here's a sign for the gym. And you love hanging out in the gym and playing games, and you just kept going. And they said, there's some great fields out there, soccer fields and hockey rinks, and, and maybe you like soccer or you like hockey, and you just kept going. It would be a completely different experience, right, if you just looked at the sign but just kept going. Well, kids, I mentioned that we have some candy up here, all right? Uh, there's a couple different types, and let's see if we got some readers. Any of you kids readers? Some of your readers, great. Maybe some of you could read this. What does this word say? If you can read it, just say it out loud. Twixt. Oh, you guys are good readers. Good readers. How about this? What does this say? Kit Kat. You guys are two for two on the reading. All right, this one's a little bit longer. Think you can get it? Here it is. What does it say? Sweet Tarts. You guys, so far three for three, and here comes one more. You read it like this? Nerds, yes. All right. Well, can I get my volunteers? I've got two, and then Kenna, I think we asked you if you could come up. Why don't you guys each take one of these bowls and stand over here. Josh, could you help us out with this too? Come on up, Josh. Why don't you take one of these bowls? All right. So here, Kenna, you got the Kit Kats. Josh has got the Twix. Let's have you guys stand right over here. We'll make a line on the other side of this podium. This is well rehearsed. We've been working on this since, well, for the last three seconds. All right. So we got, we got these people up here. Now, they have bowls of candy. You guys just read signs, right? And you read signs that, that describe these different kinds of candy. Well, is it, is it very fun to just read the sign? No, it's not. If it's okay with the grown-up who brought you, um, you could come up now and take one of each and then talk to the grown-up who brought you about what comes next, and that's up to the grown-up who brought you. But if you'd like to, come on up, and instead of just reading a sign, let's actually participate. So kids of all ages, if you want, we got plenty. Come on up, and why don't you take one of each here, and then we're going to talk about why we just did this. Well, we're going to talk about what this had to do with anything here, and it should make more sense as we go on. The Bible has, is filled with all of what, what we call verses. Maybe you've seen this before. In fact, I think most of you have, where there will be a word, and then there will be some numbers as a sign of where to find these verses in the Bible. There's some also some lists, some groupings of these different verses. One of them is called the Roman Road or the Romans Road. There's a whole bunch of different ways people organize these, but, but here's some common verses. If you were to go home and Google, or even right now if you were to Google Roman Road or Romans Road, you'd find a bunch of these lists, these different signs along the way of this road. Here's a common list. It's not the only one, but, but it's, it's a common list. And what we're going to be doing from now until Easter is we're going to be following along this Romans road. Uh, not exactly the way it's normally done, but we're going to follow along this Romans road. All of these verses, all of these little signs here 
on this road, they all could be found in what's called the letter to the Romans. It was a real letter. It was written a long time ago. The letter's even older than your parents, even older than your parents. I remember the time when, um, I don't remember which one of you guys was, but one of you go, Dad, were you alive when the dinosaurs were here? Was that Andra probably? All right, Andra. Emma's pointing to Andra. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not as old as the dinosaurs, this letter, but it's older than your parents. It's somewhere in between. It was written around the year 57, which is a long time ago. It was written by a disciple of Jesus named Paul, and he wrote this letter that is arguably the most influential letter ever written. Think about that for a minute. Of all the letters ever written in the history of the world, the one that we're going to talk about today and for the series here, this is probably the most influential letter ever written. Again, it was written by a man named Paul. He wrote it to Christians living in Rome. And it's so important because it is filled with a crazy amount of insight into some of the greatest mysteries. Things like this, who God is, how God works, who God's people are, who God's people aren't. How do you come to be saved? Why would you want to be saved in the first place and saved from what? There's all that and so much more in this letter. And it's a great letter. It's a great book of the Bible to study any time of the year. But it's especially good this time of year as we're preparing for Easter. And we're pressing into those huge themes of what Jesus did for us and why he did it for us. It's a great letter, a great book of the Bible for us to look at this time of year. Now, for the record, this is not an easy read. Romans is not an easy read. And it's not a hard read because it's long. It's not all that long. It's a hard read because you've got Paul, who through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to download some profound information profound information. And not only that, he's, he's using words and languages and ideas that are not the kind of words and ideas that we're normally thinking of as Western modern thinkers. It hurts my head to read this book, but it's worth it because there's so much important information there. Now, when it comes to the Romans road or the Roman road, one of the reasons it exists, why you see these groups, is people are trying to simplify the message from Romans. That's what they're trying to do. In fact, here's when I, when I was Googling Romans Road, here's what one of the presentations online said about their version of the Romans Road. They said the Roman Road provides a detailed map for our salvation and eternal fellowship with God. Just follow these steps. So let's, let's look at the one that they said. These are the verses that they used on this website. They start with Romans 3.23, as many of the Romans Road lists do. And, and that verse says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So they, a lot of them, they start here and they say, here's the deal. We have all sinned. And then they move on to Romans 6.23. And they say, here's why this is a big deal. This is why sin's a big deal. Because the wages of sin is death. And then they move on to Romans 5.8. Well, actually, they have to backtrack a little bit to hit Romans 5.8. And, and they come to that verse where it says, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And then as a result of that, they say, here, pray this prayer. Confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, as we read in Romans 10.9, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and we will be saved. And then many of the Romans Road presentations will say, it's that simple. It's that simple. Just follow these easy steps, and now you're a Christian. And then what they'll do is they'll usually add one or two other verses from Romans that they'll say, now here's your next step. 
you're a Christian now. Here's your next step. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing comes from the word of Christ. Word of Christ. Word of God means Bible. So, so now that you're a Christian, read your Bible. And so they give you this presentation as a way of, of taking these huge, complex uh, uh, themes and trying to make it simple. Now, in this series, hear me clearly here, because we're going to take a transition. I'm not going to throw the Romans road under the bus, pun intended. Not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to try to rip on the Romans road because it serves a purpose. It's trying to take complex things, make them simple. It has helped thousands of people, thousands of people, try to, to, to learn more about, about God. So I'm not going to throw it under the bus in this series. But what we are going to do is we're going to do a little off-roading. We're, we're, instead of just taking these signs and quickly passing through, we're going to take a little more time. Kind of what we just did here with the kids. Instead of just referencing these signs, we said, come on up. Take a look. In your case, take a taste, right, of, of these. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I think that's in the, the, the scriptures or somewhere, right? And that's what we want to do. We want to go deeper. In fact, here's a, 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 something I encourage you to write in your notes. As we're launching a new series, we're starting a new series, we're calling it the Romans Road, but we're not just going to follow quickly through these passages. We want to try to dig a little deeper because I believe your road trip through Romans is going to be a whole lot richer if you do what? What do you say? If you stop along the way. I really believe that. Your Romans Road journey is going to be a lot richer if you stop along the way. In fact, one of the dangers about going too quickly is you can actually do what's called proof texting, where you can take a verse where you already have an idea in your head of what, what is true, and then you take a verse out of the Bible to support what you already believe instead of looking at the verse itself and saying, is that what the verse actually says? You can take things out of context. A lot of things can happen that aren't good if you go too fast. For example, let's start, let's take this Romans Road list um, in reverse order. Let's take a look at uh, Romans 10, 17. The verse says, faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. And again, many of the Romans Road lists, what they do is they say, what this verse is all about is what you do after you're a Christian. You become a Christian and your next step is to start reading your Bible. Well, is it good to read your Bible? Yes, yes, it is. It's very good to read your Bible. Is that what this passage is saying? No, it's not. It's not saying that. Let me just quickly show you. Let's go off-roading a little bit. Let's look at some of the context a little before, a little bit after, and you're going to see that there's more to it. These passages are so rich. There's so much going on here. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's open up uh, Romans chapter 10. Uh, and let's just back up a little bit. If we were really going to do this verse justice, where would we start? Romans 1.1, 1, 1, right? We, we don't have time for that, so, so let's just back up a couple verses even. Let's go to Romans 10.13, and let's take a look at that, and then we'll work our way to 10.17. And I think you'll start to see here really quickly that there's a lot more going on here than, hey, now you're a Christian, read your Bible. Look at this. It starts off with this, Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Does anyone see quotes on that passage? Raise your hand if you see quotes in the passage. All right, there's quotes there. One thing you might want to do as you're slowing down is go, why are there quotes there? There's quotes there because Paul is quoting somebody. In this case, he's quoting an ancient document, an ancient prophecy we now know as the book of Joel, he's quoting from there. And so you could start going off on that important line of thought of why is he quoting this ancient text. 
All right, let's keep reading. We, we'll keep moving here, pressing on. How then, we get picking up with verse 14, how then will they call upon him in whom they've not believed? How will they believe in him who they've never heard? How will they hear without someone preaching? How will they preach uh, to, or how are they to preach unless they're sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they, not all have obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Even with this little context that we've added, does this passage seem to be saying, hey, now that you're a Christian, read your Bible? It doesn't. Again, is reading your Bible good? Yeah. Is there something else more going on here? Yeah. Again, look at all those quotes. A whole lot more quotes are being pulled in here. Multiple quotes from multiple scriptures that were sacred to the Jewish people. And what Paul's doing, he's invoking them as he asks a series of rhetorical questions about saving faith. So there's a lot going on here. It's just one small, Romans 10, 17, it's one small part of a much larger theological discourse that began several chapters before this verse and continues long after. Let's just quickly look at what comes a little after 17. We'll just pick up for a couple more verses. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me, have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, there's Israel again, he says, all day long I've held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Well, the quotes keep flowing like sequels to Star Wars. I mean, look at that. Quote after quote after quote. Paul originally wrote this letter to the Christians in Rome. And what we deduce from all of these quotes and from the things he's saying is, is one of the things that's going on here is he's writing to the church in Rome, this new-founded church, these Christians, and some come out of a Jewish background and some are coming out of a Christian background. And one of the reasons he's using so many quotes here is he's trying to say, hey, what is happening here? God knew it was going to happen all along. There were going to be some of his chosen people, some of the Jewish race that would not embrace Jesus as the Messiah. And there's going to be all these people who are outside of the Jewish faith, and they're going to recognize that Jesus is Messiah. And so all these things that were actually happening in their world and all the tension that was resulting from that, Paul's using these scriptures to say, God knew this was going to happen. There's no surprises here. God's still in control. And that's just one of many things that's going on in this passage. There's so much going on here. As I was thinking about these things, I was going over my notes this morning, and I was thinking about um, those mile markers. Uh, Kevin found a picture here. Anyone ever seen those mile markers? Okay, when you treat Romans 10, 17, or any other pa passage on a Romans road, if you treat it like a mile marker that you're going by at 70 miles an hour, do you see how there's more there? if you just stop and get out and look along the way. I mean, I, my dad was, was really good at this. Looking back, it could have just been because we had six kids and you're taking a road trip in a van to California. We stopped at a lot of just random spots. Looking back, it might have just been because we were fighting or something. But we'd get out, right? And you'd stop at what looked like a, 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 just a simple mile marker and you'd go and you'd explore a little bit. And I remember we found this, this 
Whitewater Rapids one time. I remember that time we found a prairie dog colony. We, we looked off. We saw a mesa in the distance. We said, let's go climb it. Now, that one was because we were probably acting up too much. But, but anyway, this whole idea, you stop along the way. There's discoveries to be made, more so than just a simple little sign. There's all these discoveries if you slow down and take a look. Well, let's move on to the next one if we're working in reverse order. Let's look at Romans 10, 9. And let me show you what happens. Most of you already know this, but let me show you what happens if we just pause a little bit and we start to explore some of what comes around Romans 10, 9. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, a great passage, an important passage. And if you just read this verse and don't read anything around it, it appears to be a very straightforward text. It appears to answer the question, how do you become a Christian? Well, you become a Christian by confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You make a decision for Christ. You make a choice. You decide to follow Jesus. Is it that simple? If you look at this text in isolation, it appears that simple. But let me show you what happens. Again, most of you know this because you've read Romans 9 before. Let's go off-roading a little bit. This is Romans 10, 9. Let's just look at chapter 9 and see what Paul says there. All right, here we go. This is going to be really uncomfortable. If you've never looked at these passages before and you've heard Romans 10, 9, this is going to take a very... It's going to look very different. Here we go. For God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I've raised you up, that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? Who can resist his will? But who are you, O oh man, or oh woman, to answer back to God? Well, what does molded say to his molder? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out the same lump, one vessel for honorable use, another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath, and to make known his power, has endured with such patience vessels of his wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he's prepared beforehand for glory. Even us, whom he's called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I'll call my people. And to her who is not my beloved, I will call my beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. This is one of several passages that more than hint at what we refer to theologically as election or predestination. And let's just say you read this in isolation. Let's just say you took a look at this passage without Romans 10.9. If you only looked at this passage, you might come away going, well, if God's doing this, is he to blame for Hitler? If this is the way it is, then isn't ISIS his fault? If, if 
this is the way it is, then God's responsible for this guy, right? If all this is true, isn't that guy God's fault? That's where you would naturally go if you looked at this passage in isolation. So you've got that going on, and now what happens when you bring them together? They're, they're both in there. They're both in there. In fact, if you read just Romans 10, in is- right around verse 9, you see these, this, this interplay where, where we have real choices that we're making, but somehow God is a part of all of it. How does that work? How, how can election and choice both be true? How can there be will? How can there be things that are predestined? How does all that work? That's part of what Paul's doing. He's taking these profound realities and he's trying to lay them out and trying to make some sense out of them. This is rich. There's a lot going on in Romans. And if you just slow down, you begin to realize there's so much here. Well, let's quickly look at some of the others on the Romans road list. Again, not to go deep into them, but just as we're launching this whole series to just give you an idea of some of the things that we'll be talking about. Let's take a look at Romans 5.8. Powerful, powerful passage. Vital, vital passage. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is one of the central texts to everything. Huge, vital text. Here's one of the dangers, though, if you just go too fast. If you grew up in the church and you've heard these things said, as you're trying to share these truths with others, if you're just like, hey, I got a Romans road this thing, I got to just keep going quick. This is how I share Christ. You're going to have people going, whoa, 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 time out. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Why? And how does it even work? How could the death of one person impact the life and eternal life of somebody else. And so if you haven't pressed into these things a little bit more, someone asks a very good question, you might go, you know? And not that we'll ever have an explanation that just totally is satisfying for everyone, but to have dug into it the way Romans digs into it helps a little bit more because this is central to the faith. Why why do we believe that Christ's death could impact our life? And the same could be said of Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Vital reality. The wages of sin is death. Vital reality. 6.23. Most of the people I know, when I find myself in these conversations, I can't just quote these verses at them because they have questions. You know, they, they, okay, some, some people I've talked to before, they're like, okay, I get it. I get that everyone has sinned. You know, nobody's perfect, but come on, wages of sin is death? What kind of God do you serve? Why can't he just acknowledge, or or why can he hold us to a standard that we just can't even get up to? How how does that even work? So there's people you're going to run into like that. There's also going to be those who are just like, hey, who are you to tell me what's right and what's wrong? How many have run into those conversations before? All the time, right? In fact, what kind of exclusive God do you have that he's, you know, making these types of claims? So there's those who deny absolutes altogether except the absolutes that they don't agree with. And then the one that I'm running into more and more in my lifetime that I've seen 
is people come with their own proof text. You come with a proof text that says, hey, the wages of sin is death. They come with a proof text that say, say, love wins in all situations. You know, they're like, a good God would never judge someone in that kind of way. And so now you're having this conflict. So all this to say, Paul doesn't just give us those five or six verses. There's all the rest that surrounds them, and there's a reason why he's got that there. And these can be very helpful to kind of summarize some things, but for us to press in, there is great, great, great value. Not because you're going to convince anyone of anything necessarily, but because you have more substance to your faith, and you have a greater understanding of these, these huge mysteries that Paul is trying to unpack. So let me give you a question that I believe is going to be a driving force behind this series, and that's this question. What will we discover if we approach the Romans road like a destination? What might we discover if instead of looking at these kind of passages as just points along a, a quick journey, what if we, what if we approach them as the destination and we dig into them a little bit more? What if we explore these passages that I put out there and other ones from Romans in context? As I said at the top of this teaching, the book's, book of Romans, it is arguably the most influential letter ever written in the history of the world. And there are some huge themes here. Here's how the ESV Study Bible, love the ESV Study Bible. Here's how they summarize some of Romans' key themes. Romans is a revelation of God's judging and saving righteousness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that rich right there? Look at that. Let's unpack that just quickly. Romans is a revelation. What the word revelation means, it's something that's revealed. This is God wanting to speak to us. He's, he's taking these huge themes, these things that are like, how does all that work? And God's trying to reveal that through Paul. So it's a revelation. And then look at this juxtaposition. It's a revelation of God's judging and saving righteousness. I've never seen that wording used quite like that. But it's accurate. There's a judging righteousness of God that we often, in healthy churches anyway, we often under, under speak underemphasize. God is perfectly holy. His judgments are just. And so when he judges, it is judging righteous. But there's also the saving peace, oh, which is so vital. Because if you don't have the saving peace, we're in big trouble because we all have sin. And the wages of sin are death. And so if you don't have that saving peace, that saving righteousness, we're in big trouble. So Romans helps us understand all that. And then that word gospel is beautiful. It's the good news. The good news is not all have sinned, is it? That's not good news. The good news is that God made a way for us to be saved in and through the life of Jesus Christ. There is so much here. And as we journey together towards Easter, I want to invite you to journey with us. Now, we'll do the best we can on Sunday mornings, but we only, I only have 35 minutes, right? I was just talking after the service. I was talking to Eric uh, Nelson, and, and he was at a church. They spent seven years in Romans. He was only there for like one of them. Seven years in Romans. And I bet they didn't get to everything. We're only going to spend seven weeks. So this is like a speed tour of the Smithsonian. Hey, I got 35 minutes. I'll do my best each and every week. But what I want to encourage you to do is to dig deep on your own as well. Those of you who've studied this book before, 
pull out your notes from seminary. Pull out your notes from Bible school. Pull out your notes from a Bible study. And, and take that refresher and maybe see if it triggers any new thoughts or reminds you of, of decisions that you had made or things that you were going to embrace. Take that time, if you've already studied it, to, to look at it again here during Lent. And if you've never looked at the book on your own in depth before, let me give you some real practical ideas. Here's some. I wrote them in your notes so you can take them home. Here's some real practical ideas. I would encourage you to read this book, but don't just read it one way. Read it a couple different ways. One of the things I would encourage you to do probably to start is just read the whole thing in one setting. It won't take you that long. It's, it's, it's not a huge, huge letter. Just read it in one sitting. And then, next time you read it, take a small piece and, and just reflect on it more deeply. I would encourage you to memorize some of the passages. The Roman roads one would be a great one to start. Oh, if every Christian would have it in their head and in their heart while we were still sinners. Christ died for us? Oh, that'd be a win for the kingdom. Another thing that I'd really encourage you to try, if you've never done this, read a chapter in a study Bible. Just read one chapter and then read the study notes. Get an NIV study Bible, ESV study Bible. And, and where they, when then where you see those quotes, they'll tell you where that quote came from. And then you can go there and you can take a look and go, wow, I didn't know that this was connected to this. I didn't know that this might have meant this. It can really be a great way to unlock some of the richness. Many of you, you would benefit tremendously from, from, from talking it out as a group. Find a couple people to discuss it. And then another thing that can really be helpful is to look at different translations. Romans was originally written in Greek. And so there's different translators that are going to try to translate it differently, and they're going to pull out different things. The ESV is a more literal translation. NIV is a good balance um, translation. NLT, now you're starting to get more of a paraphrase. Message is very paraphrased, but also really rich. There's a website called BibleTheGateway.com. You can look at all of them for free and compare them. So there are some ideas about reading this book. Well, as we close, let me just say a couple quick things. The Romans who Paul originally wrote this letter to, they were amazing builders, amazing builders. Some of their roads, their literal roads, you can still walk on them today. They were amazing road builders. And the original Roman roads literally paved the way for the good news of Jesus Christ to spread out of the Middle East. If it wasn't for Roman roads, if it wasn't from Roman travel routes, if it wasn't for the peace that Romans brought through strength um, to their region, you could say that the gospel would have never spread as quickly as it did. Well, just as the Romans were amazing builders, Paul was an inspired author. And this letter to the Romans, it is worth exploring. So as we close the service, let's commit ourselves to spending time this Lent digging into this powerful, powerful letter. Would you do that with me? Let's pray. Lord, as we bring this time to a close, we pray that it's just a springboard for every one of us to take another look, if we've looked at it before, or take a closer look, or maybe a first-time look at this letter on our own. Lord, we pray that as we do that, your Holy Spirit's going to speak to us and lead us and show us and reveal things through your living word as we journey towards Easter. May our Easter be richer than ever before as we come into it with a fuller understanding of who you are and what you did and why Easter warrants such a great party. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Stay warm.